right, so moving on from discussing the book of Boba Fett, going to discuss the power of the dog. So the power of the dog is oh, a film. Actually, I need actually I need to use the bathroom real quick. So uh, you can uh, uh, do licorice pizza since uh, I didn't see that. Okay, all right. So uh, I'm going to discuss licorice pizza. So licorice pizza is a movie starring. Uh, Cooper Cooper Hoffman. So Cooper Hoffman is the son of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's a regular uh, Paul Tess, Tom, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson actor. You, he was in Boogie Nights. He was in The Master. Um, so now his son um, is in you know, Paul Thomas Anderson film Licorice Pizza, uh, which also stars uh, Lana Ham, who's a uh, musician. She's part of a band called the Ham Sisters, and her actual real life family um, is in this movie as well. And it is a coming-of-age type movie um, where you have um, kind of the both of them kind of, you know, you know, set in 1970s L.A., kind of, you know, this 25-year-old girl and this 15-year-old boy, you know, is played by Cooper Hoffman. And, and you kind of have this friendship slash, you know, type weird relationship of them constantly connected to each other. Um... And kind of being with each other, you know, throughout this time. And, you know, I, I will say, you know, kind of beautiful look at the movie, you know, on the, in the backdrop of 1970s L.A. Um, I will say the movie does have kind of very funny moments. Um, you know, there's been some controversy about this film that I'll kind of get into in a little bit. Um, I will say that also the, you know, kind of dramatic moments work very well. The performances are very great. Um, and I think with the Alana Ham character, what's great about this movie is that, you know, her being 25 is that she's very at a point in her life where a lot of, you know, 25 year olds are right now where she's kind of stuck. You know what I mean? She kind of doesn't know what she wants to do. Um, she's living at home with her family. She wants to escape. She wants to get out. Um, but she doesn't really know how. And she's kind of working this crappy job and her kind of being with you know, kind of this Cooper Hoffman character, it's like, it's almost this escape, you know, being with this teenager who, you know, teenagers can all of a sudden just, at one minute, drop one thing and then go to the next thing, and, you know, their future just seems absolutely limitless uh, in a way, and I think that's kind of the allure and the draw of what kind of brings her to someone like the Cooper uh, Hoffman character in Gary, um, is that he kind of absolutely kind of sees her and kind of idolizes her well, I wouldn't say idolizes her, but just is absolutely infatuated with her. Uh, and, you know, I think the reason she's so infatuated with him is that, you know, of kind of this yearning to be somebody that doesn't want to be in the real world. I mean, she doesn't really want to be a part of the real world because she kind of runs away from it a lot of chance she gets. You know, at one moment you see her where, uh, you know, she's trying to um, do all these different businesses with him then kind of runs away from that. Then she all of a sudden she's like, okay, I'll volunteer for this political campaign. And then that doesn't turn out the way she wants it to. So she can't really, she struggles to kind of really be a part of the world. Um, and I think yearns to just kind of, you know, kind of run away from it at all. And I think, you know, her being with the, you know, kind of Gary Valentine, Cooper Hoffman character is, is a way of doing that. Um, so one of the kind of the controversies of this is that you have... Um, you know, there's some Asian uh, jokes in here. There, there, there's, you know, criticism of um, how he kind of does some Asian jokes in here. Um, so the, the situation is you have a, a kind of a comedic actor. Um, he's a 
veteran comedic actor. He's been in tons of stuff. I'll try to pull up his name in a second. Um, and there's a scene where he's got an Asian wife. There's actually two scenes he's in. He's got an Asian wife. Um, and he speaks to her in an English. He speaks to her in English, but it's with a, a heavy Japanese accent. Um, and thinking that she can understand what he's saying because she's just, I mean, he's speaking English, but it's just in a heavy Japanese accent. Um, and the woman, I mean, she speaks just Japanese. Um, I don't know. We don't know as an audience if she can just understand English um, or, you know what I mean, or what, because you don't actually hear what she says. You don't actually get to see subtitles of what she says. Um, and then there was an article I, I read where Paul Thomas Anderson discussed it and how he discussed how it's like he wanted to show the a little bit of the racism at the time because it was the 1970s and obviously the, you know th that was very much prevalent then um especially you know 1970s la um and you know he also talked about having a japanese mother-in-law i believe and how people will speak to her um in that type of you know accent you know english and then but speaking this kind of japanese accent the, the only issue I kind of have with it is just unnecessary. It's just kind of unnecessary to kind of have in the film. I don't think it really adds anything uh, to the film. Um, and it just kind of feels kind of weirdly out of place. You know what I mean? I get kind of, you know, what this is going for. Um, uh, just kind of showing that he's the butt of the joke, being the racist a little bit. Uh, but I just don't think it just all the way... Uh, uh, works in it, and the actor who who plays it, who's kind of doing it, is John Michael Higgins, and he's been in a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, you know, he's been in uh, like tons of different scenes. If you've seen his face, then you didn't, you know, who he is because he's been in tons of stuff. Um, and uh, also, so the age gap is also a big thing. So, like I said, Alana Ham, uh, who in real life, when I first saw the trailer for this. Uh, I thought she was like it's about two teenagers, you know, a coming age story about two teenagers because she still looks young enough to be a teenager. Uh, but in real life, she's 30. In this movie, she's playing somebody who's 25. Uh, you have Cooper Hoffman who's playing 15, but in real life, he's 18. Um, and so the age gap is a big thing about this movie as well, about, you know, kind of them being together. Um, now, you know, it's kind of, I mean, in the movie, I guess some people might see it as like a will they, won't they uh, type of situation. Um, I I don't think the movie's necessarily asking you to root for them to get together uh, because both of them are kind of bad people and, and toxic in a way. Um, so I don't think it's really asking for them to really root for them to get together. Um, but like I said, it, it's a situation where both these two people, they're feeding off of each other because Alana, you know, in the movie, being this 25-year-old, being somebody who can't survive in the real world. You know, she's scared of the real world and she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life, which is a lot of position a lot of people are in at 25, 26. You're coming to, you know, real major adulthood, you know, coming up to 30. Got to pick something. What's your career going to be? What's your life going to look like? You know, this is serious stuff. And she can't, you know, she can't really handle that. And um, and I think the allure of being someone with someone like Gary Valentine, who's the Cooper Hoffman character, is that, you know, it's all about escapism. It's all about just kind of being that young teenager again who can just all of a sudden do all this stuff 
and just move on to the next thing because constantly in the movie he's moving on to different businesses at first it's like a waterbed business then it's pinball machines then it's this then it's that it's all these kind of different things and uh you know and and i think that's kind of the allure of it um you have a great performance also by Bradley Cooper, who's in this movie as well. Um, that was kind of one of my favorite parts of the movie. He shows up as John Peters. Um, and everybody doesn't know John Peters. He's the hairdresser turned producer. He dated Barbara Streisand. He's also the spider guy. He was the guy that was obsessed with putting spiders and everything. Uh, Kevin Smith told a story about him. You can look it up on YouTube. Um, Kevin Smith is going to do a, spider, a Superman movie. And then uh, John Peters was just talking about putting a spider in it. That was his only big contribution. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but I don't want Superman to fly, and I want to put a big spider in it. You know, that was also his big contrib- <laughs> uh, thing with Wild Wild West, putting a big spider in it. So he was like the big spider guy, obsessed with yeah, spiders. Yeah, John, yeah. If you listen to interviews with uh, Neil Gaiman, John Peters is the reason that uh, Gaiman himself tanked any Sandman adaptation until, like, very recently. Yeah, uh, yeah. so he just was obsessed with spiders. He's obsessed with spiders for some reason. Uh, and it's a funny, really funny performance by him. I mean, he's just totally amped up, you know, almost like a cokehead in this. Um, you know, some people have uh, compared it to, like, Alpha Molina's performance in, like, Boogie Nights. Um, you know, I think that's an apt comparison. I think that, so I thought that was kind of really great. If Bradley Cooper earns a Best Supporting nomination just from his little short performance there, I could see it because he's absolutely really great in this. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed this movie probably not as much as a lot of people, uh, but I still think I still thought it was a very good film. And mm-hmm. I see the age gap being a problem for some people, um, and I, I kind of see that. Uh, definitely, definitely, you know, kind of see that. But um, yeah, I, I think that a lot of what the movie was trying to do with that is just kind of show the dangerous nature of this. I mean... You could have done it where you could have maybe aged him up just a little bit, you know, could have made it like mm. 17, 18 and maybe make her like 20, 23, 24, maybe like make it a little bit like that uh, kind of age gap. Um, and it's not really seen as too much of a bad thing that she's really hanging out with 15 year olds because mm. like she's asking like one of her sisters um, in it is that like, do you think it's weird that I'm hanging out with Gary and his 15 year old friends and. She's kind of just like, no, it's, it is what it is. You know, it is whatever it is. It's like, no, that, that, that's kind of, you should be doing your own thing. You should kind of be hanging out with other 20-somethings if you're 25, you know what I mean? Like, you know, unless you're, you know what I mean, you should kind of be, you know, deciding what you kind of want to do in life and finding that path for yourself and stop running away um, and, and everything like that. Um, so, but I, I still thought it was a, a, a strong movie there, and I would give it a, a, a tune-in, uh, sure. Um, oh, wow, right. I, can't, I can't wait to finally watch it. it. It hasn't been available to me, and it won't be for a while. Mm. Until okay. I, I guess until it comes to cinema, to streaming. Excuse me. Uh, sorry, sorry, Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. Until it comes to the, yeah, the streaming, <laughs> everything like that. Um, all right. So uh, we're gonna be moving on from discussing Licorice Pizza to discuss the Power of the Dog. So the Power of the Dog uh, is a movie starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, Kristen Dunst, um, and it is on Netflix. You all can check it out now. Um, and this is getting a lot of you know awards attention. A lot of critics are loving this. It's on a lot of best of lists. Um, and I was very eager to check it out myself, and I. You know, hey, it's on Netflix, just right there. You can stream it. So, very, very, very eager to check this out. So, uh, you know, Jesse Plemons, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, they start, uh, they kind of 
in this film, you have they play two ranchers, wealthy ranchers, um, and Benedict Cumberbatch is just playing a real son of a bitch, basically, um, is the best way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, it's weird that both uh, his con is a Doctor Strange Supreme, none of them were as evil as this guy is. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's just absolutely cruel and mean. Uh, you know, he calls his brother, you know, Jesse Plemons in the movie, Fatso. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, just he doesn't even... I don't think I ever heard him ever call him by his real name. He just kept calling him Fatso uh, through the majority of it. Um, and... You know, he's, you know, very much, you know, macho guy, you know, this this rancher who likes, you know, to be mm-hmm. dirty, likes to stink, you know what I mean? Likes to, you know, wrestle around with animals. You know, he just, there's, there's one scene you see where he just castrates an animal just barehanded, you know what I mean? They ask him, why, why don't you just wear gloves, man? He's like, no, fuck gloves. I don't wear no gloves. You kidding me? I could just do it like this. I know, bitch. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um and this situation he'd one hundred percent be an anti masker if we brought him to today. Oh yeah. You know, you know, well you know, one hundred percent. Um and getting your vaccine like a little bitch. <laughs> uh and there's a scene where they you know they go sit down at a at a diner, uh like this little you know, small kind of restaurant there where Kristen Dunst is operating it, uh cooking for it. Um her son uh, who is uh, Cody Smith McPhee? Uh, people might remember he was uh, Nightcrawler in the X Men movies before, uh, well, after Alan Cummings was like way after. Um, in the recent X Men movies, he was Nightcrawler. Here he's a waiter and he's serving them, and they're making fun of uh, the way he talks. He's got a little bit of a lisp, you know. He's a you know kind of a shy kid, uh, you know, scrawny kid, uh, and they kind of bully him for that, um, you know, and you know. Kind of during that experience, it makes Kristen Dunst, you know, kind of very emotional, cry. I mean, you know, dealing with the, kind of these rough people, you know, giving her son this huge complex about his lisp and everything. And that kind of, you know, through that, Jesse Plemons forms a bond with Kristen Dunst, uh, who are married in real life. And they also were married in Fargo in the kind of one of the seasons of that show, Fargo. And they're married here again. Oh, in that's another, weird. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's like I guess they're just going to go to multiple projects and be constantly just marry each other in different movies and shows and stuff. It's going to um, be real awkward when uh, when Sony reboots Spider-Man. Yeah. Maybe they'll just make Jesse Plemons the new Spider-Man. It's like maybe he gets married <laughs> to Jesse Plemons the Spider-Man. Oh, oh he just becomes uh, Peter B. Parker. Yeah. You know what I mean? He'll just do that. Um yeah, and they kind of form, uh, you know, they get together, they form a relationship, eventually getting married, and it caused a kind of a rift between the two brothers, you know, who Benedict Cumberbatch, who, who you hear, he plays Phil, and, you know, he says, like, well, he's, she's only after you for your money, and it's kind of exciting to see kind of where things go with this movie. I think it's a, a, a good hmm. character piece with a lot of these different people. Uh, Jesse Plemons, though, I don't think is really in it a whole lot. Uh, I don't, you know, he kind of comes in and out of the movie. Uh, there's times where I even forgot he was kind of in the movie a little bit myself, um, and it's it's really mostly I think a lot of really good performances. Really mostly, not to say Jesse Plemons is bad, but really most of it is Benedict Cumberbatch, Kristen Dunst, and Cody Smith McPhee, who are really I think you really get to see a lot of, and really are kind of that, that you really get to see a lot of you know dramatics you know performances from. Yeah, I, I I'd, I'd agree with that a hundred percent. I feel like uh, Plemons, he's he's doing a great job, but his character, he's also not really uh, not much of is asked of his character throughout this film. Uh, though 
the big weight is put on uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Kristen Dunst, Dan, Cody Smith, McPhee. They're the characters that go through the biggest change throughout this film. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Jesse Plemons, you know, seeing him in a lot of different stuff now, um, I feel like he does have a type of way he plays a character where it's kind of very, you know, uh, soft-spoken, um, a little befuddled a little bit. Um, and, you know, because, you know, I feel like he kind of has that similar way he kind of plays people, plays his characters. It kind of was offsetting in Breaking Bad because he played like a complete psycho in that. So it kind of was like mm-hmm. this, this kind of caught you off guard. Uh, yeah, it, it worked for his character in Breaking Bad. And to an extent, it worked for his character in Game Night. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It worked, yeah, for his character in Game. I thought, yeah, that worked there as well. Uh, it was used to great effect there, um, but yeah, like you said, uh, I mean, I think a lot of it is kind of delved into like really the three of them, and and they have most of something to do, um, and you know, Kristen Dunst. I mean, she's just being absolutely tormented throughout this whole thing by Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, just constantly mocking her, belittling her. Uh, you know what I mean? It, you know, she just you know so much to the point where she just actually just becomes an alcoholic. You know, just consumes. You know yeah, it, yeah. It's a point of her character that yes, I don't drink. And after just like one too many days of getting fucked with by like Benedict Cumberbatch, she's like, shit, give me that bop. Yeah, I mean it's so bad. I mean she's just drinking, you know, out of the alley. She's drinking like like alcohol somebody threw out. You know, just scraping the bottom. It's like Jesus. Uh, and and I think yeah, I mean this. I mean it's it's really good from her. Um, and seeing where things just develop kind of over time is is really interesting to see where this story goes because i kind of really wasn't expecting a lot of stuff there of like where this story was going to go which was very interesting uh Cam, what would you think about that i think what this film uh this is very much not a plot driven story this is entirely character driven and i think what jane campion is going for is kind to examine the nature of masculinity with uh, all the characters especially with uh with a, a Benedict Cumberbatch as this like rough and tumble cowboy, he's like, yeah, get 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 dirty, get shit done with my hands. And uh, Cody Smith McPhee, who is very much the more bookish type. Yeah, yeah, very nerdy, you know, very kind of bookish type. You know what I mean? A uh, little, I guess, fragile. I guess you could kind of say a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's this kind of stark contrast of where you have the Benedict Cumberbatch character who is so always trying to be the toughest guy in the room and project, you know what I mean, being the toughest guy. Uh, you know, even when he's in the you know restaurant, he's screaming at other people, you know, to shut up and, you know what I mean, you know, where they're trying to enjoy their meal, playing music. Um, you know, he's always trying to assert dominance over his brother, you know, calling him fatso, uh, you know, mm-hmm. talking crap about his wife, you know, Kristen Dunst. Uh, with her son, you know what I mean? He's always, you know, trying to be the, you know, the, the tough, you know, guy in the room, the alpha male here in every single situation. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, the, the movie kind of takes a lens to that and, and really shows that, uh, which is, uh, you know, very, very interesting. Um, yeah, uh, like you said, it's not very much of a, you know, plot-driven film too much. But it's just seeing like where a lot of these characters develop and where a lot of these characters go and kind of their journeys over the course of the movie. Uh, and it's not so much about, uh, I don't think, 
letting the plot happen to them, but them really moving <laughs> things along just with their actions and them, you know, with their kind of personalities. Um, you know, kind of a little bit of in a, in a slice of life situation, um, I would say. Um, and I see why, pe- you know, people, a lot of people have been calling for Ben and Cumberbatch to get nominated and he's getting a lot of this awards attention. I mean, I think he's really great uh, in this and, and really fantastic. Yeah. Um, and kind of the different range of emotions he kind of goes through in this movie is is really nice um and i mean you know even though he was a bastard i mean sometimes the stuff he would do would kind of you know make me laugh uh you know <laughs> like like the the way he would kind of go off sometimes uh that was kind of good um what you think about his accent do you think it, do you think it was pretty good <clears throat> i mean compared to where his uh his american act started with uh I- at, le- at least the most popular example, the first Doctor Strange, where that was kind of going in and out the entire time. I think the more characters he's played with an American accent, the better it's gotten. Mm. And here it was completely seamless. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty solid, yeah. Um, it did, you know, like when he first did his American accent, it just sounded, a lot of people compared it to like when Hugh Laurie did House. Um, and I think mm. it's kind of moved past that a lot. Um, and I think it's, you know, does a very, very good job with the accent here. Um, yeah, I very much enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, I see why it's kind of getting the attention it's getting. Um, and I give it a strong tune in. I think it's very, very good. I I do as well. I was, um, not expecting much and I walked away from probably one of my favorite movies of the year. Mm, Wow. I've seen a lot of people's best of lists. Uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, uh, I see why. Um, all right, so moving on to discussing The Power of the Dark, let's discuss Pig, which is the Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, movie is about a truffle hunter who lives alone in Oregon. Uh, the wilderness must, uh, return his past in Portland in search of his beloved, uh, pig who had been kidnapped. Um, so, uh, in this film here, um, you know, Nicolas Cage had a very interesting journey um as far as his acting career um you know uh, his kind of path and people are kind of always looking for the next crazy nicholas cage performance like every movie i almost see like he's in everybody says like this is the craziest movie nicholas cage has ever been in. they said that almost with every nicholas cage release it's like this is the craziest movie he's ever <laughs> yeah been this in. is gonna be the craziest one and come on let's be real we all got the craziest nicholas cage in vampire kiss mm yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, he's a, you know, he gives it his all 100%. I, I always say that about him, never phones it in, even if it is a crappy movie. You know, he always gives it his all 100% and gives his best, you mm-hmm. know, cageness to the performance. Um, and here, you know, at first kind of watching it, because like I said, this was also another movie like The Power of the Dog, where you did have a lot of people putting this on their best of list. I've heard a lot about it. Um, and then, you know, watching it, it's also a very kind of short movie, too. It's only an hour and 30 minutes. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was talk about how short it was. Yeah. Um, and kind of when the movie kind of starts off, you know, him living in this wilderness with this pig, I kind of thought, okay, well, is this going to get into some crazy shit? What's going to happen? Um, you know, where is this kind of going to go? Um, it's just, you know, it's just kind of people just love it because it's Nicolas Cage being weird and him doing some weird stuff. 
but when actually the movie kind of goes on when he's continuing, um, you know, after his you know pig gets uh, kidnapped and him searching on his pig, I thought it was maybe gonna be like some taking stuff of John Wick, like he's gonna go John mm-hmm. Wick, you know, you know, you know, uh, with these people trying to get his pig back or some shit. But actually, no, it's not like that. Um, it's this, you know, it's it, it is it is the furthest thing from that. Yeah, it's it's actually this real good drama about this guy and why you know you you get to explore his backstory of why he ended up in this wilderness you know who was he before he was this man that you see today you know this big beard and you know kind of living out here in the woods you know with just him and his pig and you know you kind of explore a lot of that more and um you know another major kind of person in this movie you have alex wolf uh, people might know Alex Wolf. He was also in uh, Hereditary, where he was uh, one of the main characters in that. Um, and he's kind of yeah, yeah. And in Hereditary, I think uh, the only reason that he isn't a bigger deal is because everybody loved Tony Collette so much in that film. But he was on, he was up there with her. And he's also like some of the best parts of, of the Jumanji sequels. Which who saw those being as good as they were? Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and Alex and w- even, even and even recently in something like old a movie I vehemently dislike he's <laughs> great in yeah um, and in the in the movie he plays like a business partner of Nicholas Cage somebody he does business with as far as you know with the truffles and you know <clears throat> business there so um, he's kind of you know helping him go and look for the pig you know driving him around in Portland um, you know talking to a bunch of different people. Um, and, you know, I thought, you know, kind of how their relationship develops over the course of the movie, um, was very Mm -hmm. nice. Because you can tell that these are two people who never really had a conversation longer than five minutes until this situation happened, uh, really. Mm -hmm. And to see how kind of both of them develop in the movie is very interesting. Um, and it's Nicolas Cage, I mean, acting. It's him not just, you know, doing wild stuff and going around screaming. It's like him really... You know, really delivering a good performance, really channeling you know this character, um, and I I think it was it, it was really nice to watch um, and to remind you. Oh, this is why Nicolas Cage, you know, became a big time you know actor again. It's because like he's he's got yeah. a lot of talent. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. This is why Nicolas Cage is considered one of the one of the best working actors. It, it's stuff like this where he just puts aside the crazy a little bit but not completely because this movie is weird as fuck hmm and what way would you say it's weird would you say i mean the entire like underground fight club of all the like chefs in fucking portland (laughs) which i'm pretty sure is just a portland thing yeah maybe just the portland thing yeah maybe uh but uh yeah i mean i I you know I kind of appreciate that a little bit like you said you know it's 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 not too much of crazy I mean there's there's some kind of you know moments where you know he does kind of get emotional get angry uh, but it's in in service of the it, story it, uh, yes it yes every single uh, like outburst of emotion it fits the character and where it is at, at that moment in the story. And it's more pulled back than I think he's ever done in one of those in one of his weirder roles. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, which I, I, yeah, I thought was very nice to see, very much appreciated. 
Um, I can see, I can see why this is on a lot of people's best stuff. I mean, because I think it is such a small story um, that imp- it, that adds that packs a punch so much. I think with so little, um, and I think that 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 is very good. Um, and the look of this movie also, it's like not anything spectacular, but just what they do with the look, kind of the little that they have just looks so kind of amazing in a way. Um, a little bit, you know, showing a little bit of the city of Portland and kind of showing, you know, uh, the nighttime scenes and the, in the kind of the, uh, dining scenes, I think also are really, you know, kind of good. Uh, also that adds a little bit to the movie too, gives a little bit more of a personal feel to it. Um, I yeah I mean I yeah I very much enjoyed it uh, quite a bit um, and I would give it a, a, a strong tune in uh, myself yeah likewise I absolutely love this film this is very much gonna end up uh, on my uh, top films of the year I one of my favorite performances from Nicolas Cage ever and I'm really loving this this like weird second coming of his career especially off of the strength of stuff like mandy off of uh uh even something that i wasn't crazy about like willie's wonderland or uh the color out of space where he gets to be weird but he also brings so much heart and emotion to every single role that he's doing now Mm. yeah yeah 